We made it to round five. America knows how to do a show. Mental capacity that he has when he drives. Actually, that's a big talking point. Prez was on 25 lap tires. The Apex F1 Podcast. Welcome to the Apex F1 Podcast. Josh here. I'm filling in for Ryan this time. He's not going to be here. We have the honorary co-host, our F1 history analyst, Willem. What's up, Willem? How's it going? Pretty good. It does feel weird to be a co-host the first time. Usually I'm just... I've taken your seat. I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. This is strange. Very strange. No, I think it's going to be fine. Like I said, Ryan's going to be out today uh, for his wife's birthday so shout out to his wife yay we made it to round five of the season which is the usa in miami gp and there's been so much talk about everything that's been going out this week obviously we had a great qualifying and then another verstappen show for the race but we'll get into that here in a little bit so first things first the, the miami warm-up is what i'm going to call it it's basically like the press conference for the week leading up to it. I'm not sure if you were if you caught any of those press conferences with Russell and Akon and Yeah, I mean the general follow up to the week, um, there was a lot of discussion about why the racing has been quite poor. You know, obviously a big part of the tabloid news was Russell and uh, and Verstappen's incident in Baku during the uh, sprint race where both of them kind of gave each other some unprofessional jabs. It, there wasn't really much going into it. I think there was a sense of comfort coming to Miami. A lot of the drivers, a lot of the mechanics, the team principals were relatively excited to be back in in the stadium. I wouldn't call it paddock, but like just in the stadium, the Dolphin Stadium. Fantastic stadium, by the way. It looks amazing. Yeah, fantastic stadium. Shame they can't win many Super Bowls, but uh, we're... <laughs> That's a whole different topic. But in fairness, it's a, it's a painful place for me as a 49er fan because that's where the oh, Niners man. lost their last Super Bowl against the freaking Chiefs. Ironically, Patrick Mahomes was here this weekend. Um, and more incentive for me not to like him, he was a guest of Red Bull. And so I was like, oh, ah, mm, you know, yeah, just to <laughs> add to the oil <laughs> and the fire. <laughs> There were so many celebrities there. Like That was one of the things that uh, Esteban Akam was talking about in the press conference. He was all talking careers with uh, Jimmy Butler from the from the Miami Heat. And, and then, this just one. And that was just yeah. one. Tyreek Hill was there, which I thought yeah. was interesting. Even my boy Jeff Wilson from the Niners. Well, he's now a Dolphins. But, you know, the whole Dolphins team was there that week, this weekend. Michelle Rodriguez and, you know, Vin Diesel. I even Diesel. saw Ludacris out there. L yeah, Vin it was, yeah, what was amazing is th this was just Thursday. <laughs> I know. It's just I love how F1 has turned out in america and we've like the usa has represented well i thought and the hype was there everything was there ll cool j did the the ceremony for ad addressing the drivers before race i thought that was with it was, will i, mean, it I was, am conducting, conducting. <laughs> yes 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 i thought that was a little meh i like the idea was great but i didn't it didn't seem like the drivers were into it but uh, yeah i mean you know they tried to do was. this before yeah but hamilton like is just he knows <laughs> he knows LL Cool J probably no I mean Miami as an event 
Miami is spectacular. You know, America knows how to do a show. Absolutely. We're probably the best in the world in doing it. I mean, that's there's a reason Super Bowls are as spectacular as there are. There's a reason. You know, we get sport. We're very good at doing sport. We tend to be quite fair with the way we, we treat the athletes. Maybe not all the time, but for the most part, I think America has a good intentions when it comes to sport. And although it might be a bit cringe, you know, the more European audiences, you know, I saw some comments from some british fans who were just like oh yeah let, let you know they don't find it cringe but that's because americans don't understand what cringe is but you know <laughs> showmanship i guess I showmanship yeah something like that um but it was uh it was a very lovely um very well hosted event i think more than last year i would i would argue yes last year was very plastic beach and and all that this year i guess more celebrities but there were still the same problems where commentators were sort of pushed out of the way and f1 personnel i mean on sunday jackie stewart was pushed out of the way i don't know if you saw that but he was i did he was pushed out of the way oh so he was going to reach out to federer and um and ask federer to do an interview with sky sports and literally some bodyguards just sort of blocked him out of oh, nowhere no. and sort of you know three-time world champion is getting completely blocked by these bodyguards he doesn't care he's in his 70s or 80s i don't know how old jackie sir jackie is right now but he just pushes through and says hey mate you're coming over you know do this interview <laughs> i don't care about these damn bodyguards you know i'm the, i'm the three-time formula one world champion so um you know we still had those issues but Overall, as an event, a bit better. Attendance was 30,000 people more than last uh, last season. Yeah, 270,000. Yes. I know, Incredible. still less than Australia, but we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we, we've got like two other Grand Prix to catch up. That I think is, Austin will be true. bigger. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this is the first of the three U.S. races this season. There was just so many celebrities that have been unnamed. I thought that... The national anthem, the singing of the national anthem by uh, Gail Lay, I think is her name, right? Mm, but yeah. I thought she did a tremendous job. And that it's just there's just so many mishaps between the national anthem on different sports stages. Not not that they don't know it or something, but like just nerves and whatever showing through. But I thought she nailed it and she didn't exaggerate it. It was great. Well, what's funny about this is, like, in America, like, that's a big thing here. Like, you know, it's kind of, you know, how many times you, you right. <laughs> screw up the anthem. But, it, it and yeah, we did a great job with the anthem this year. I mean, we've always been pretty good with the anthems, you know. And, and I think for the European audiences, they might find it a little bit over the top. But we kind of get that, you know. We kind of live it and we breathe it and we don't really care. Because guess what? We invented freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's something that we pride ourselves on in America, too. It's like, yeah, we want our national anthem song at every event, and it's like a big, huge thing. Like you said, like we created a freedom or whatever. Yeah. And, but the na the driver's national anthem is played every time they win. So, I mean, it's also in the same realm, which is great. Like, I'm not saying that's bad. Got to represent some freedom. Got to represent freedom, dude. Yeah, absolutely. During the press conference, there was actually something I wanted to touch on was that at the end of it, Russell was asked, the very first question from the media at the press conference was that Russell was asked about how he's going to race Max after his confrontation with him in the pits at the last race in Baku. And I loved the, the stature of Russell. He was like, I'm not going to change anything. I'm going to race him as hard as I ever, as I possibly can. And uh, Bumpin's racing, basically. I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take it to him. And if he has a problem with that, then so be it. 
Yeah, that's that's as you should. You know, why should you bend on your knees for for Max? I mean, Max is responsible for your team's misery. Max is responsible <laughs> for a lot of things. And, and frankly, you know, George Russell has been a target of his fan base as well. You know, and many other fan bases. But let's be real, it's mainly the Red Bull fan base. I think it was a good it was a good comment. I think both drivers, honestly had good comments but i think george was more on the right here just because why should george get out of the way for for max you know you want to be world champion kid <laughs> i'm not giving it to you for free and that and it makes me really more appreciate how lewis handled that transition of power when he was coming up the you know when he was sort of you know at the, the first half of the 21 season where Max has had, as you know, an incredible first half of the year. Arguably, if the season would have stopped at Silverstone, I would have said, you know, that's your world champion. But I think, you know, I think that the the difference here is just Max is just a bad loser. And and he just doesn't know really what those boundaries are. And what I find kind of surprising is he did an interview, Max, this weekend with uh, Checo on Barstool Sports with um, Big Cat. Uh, and, and Checo was say, saying like, oh, you know, Max is a really good loser. And it's like, and I'm sitting there, it's like, no, duh. Cause he's, <laughs> he, he's, he, of course you're going to say he's a good loser just because one, his team is kind of paying you to say that. And two, because no matter what, like, you know, every situation where you've had to race, the team has told you to just go out of the way for him. So, you know, and even this weekend, like was the first time I've actually seen them race wheel to wheel properly. And it was short <laughs> i guess very, is the best very way to short. explain they also talked about shortening the drs zones and uh max said that he would love to see no drs zones and i was like wow that's very typical of a max thing to say is like of course he would say that because he doesn't need it and he was like yeah he i don't need drs zones, so i would love to see mm. not having it and then norris lando norris right next to him picked up the mic and was like i would love it if if they lengthened the drs i like i'll take all the drs i can get and so it's just a very good like viewpoints of different teams that are in different spots during the season to see what they would like how they feel about the drs zones and i feel that a lot of people agree more with norris in that case like let everybody else have drs and let max not use it like let's see how that is yeah they do i mean you know max in his high stool with a car that we still don't know how it's generating the amount of top speed that it's actually generating from being behind a car as we saw definitely, you know, during the race, especially in my honest opinion, I, I agree with Norris. I mean, the racing, although I will say the racing was pretty okay today, you know, when it wasn't, when Max and, and Checo were, were not the center of the story of who's going to win the Grand Prix. It's a challenging conversation because like, you know, the purist will, would agree with Max. I, to be honest, am one of those purists, but I also want good racing and, and more like, you know, scenarios to see a lot of back and forth and switchbacks and all that and the drs sort of encourages that a little bit more and unfortunately with these cars especially and and actually that's a big talking point of of the weekend it was you know why has the racing been so poor this season and having increasing the drs zone you know i think is a bandage to a bigger problem that formula one have to discover the reasons why the fia shortened the drs zone is just based on data based on sort of what they're seeing. And I'm certain that they're going to find more ways to sort of um, improve on this data. But I would agree with Norris. This track is a terrible track to go racing on compared to other racetracks. And like I said last weekend, if Baku can't solve Formula One's immediate issues with high-profile racing, 
God forbid that Miami <laughs> is the is the savior of uh, of the sport at this point. Right. I mean, it's just another street circuit. Uh, it's like you said, Baku would have been more of an example of the faults. I would I would agree with you too. Like I agree with Norris. It definitely needs you need the DRS to make it more competitive. But at the same time, when there's teams that are so far ahead, like Red Bull, they're just utilizing that DRS as a, as an advantage and even like strengthening themselves even more. So it's like, what do you do at that stage? What's the point, you know, going racing? I mean, right. like, I think, you know, we've seen many times before in the sport, like when the F-Ducks were introduced in 2010, that old teams are trying to find an advantage to go faster in a straight line, overtake quicker, you know, gain time in different areas. Red Bull have found their equivalent. But unfortunately, I think, and, and we could get into a much deeper conversation about this, but I think F1's going to have to do something about this because these rules are not working. And they're even more catastrophic than the rules that we saw in getting introduced in, in 2017, where the cars were just designed to be much, much quicker than the cars we'd seen before. And at least those results succeeded, but the racing was just not as close. And I kind of wonder, in a new in a universe uh, from now, you know, what would have happened if we would have sticked with the rules that we had in 2021 going into 2022-23? I genuinely think we would have seen a lot closer racing than the racing we're seeing now, because the racing we're seeing now is just not good enough. And frankly, this was not a strategic race either, and the strategy couldn't save the the racing uh, from that perspective too yeah i would agree that would be i would love to see them have like the more the later rules that they've had in previous years put into now but i don't like they're not going to be able to change that or anything like that in mid-season nope. so no we're just gonna have to see but anyway so we're going to move on to uh the qualifying highlights um not too much to talk about there but uh, a big point is that ferrari struggled a lot and then k mag really brought up p4 spot do you, what are your uh thoughts on that uh well k mag was a lucky boy but uh he capitalized <laughs> it he looked he looked very good in free practice to be honest i was following his times actually quite closely because i felt he was more comfortable than hulkenberg uh yes, this race I, you know he you know he also his teammate had been getting a lot of the spotlight oh there's nico hulkenberg you know scoring all the high points where's kevin magnuson where's k mag well, here's the big difference between K-Mag and Nico Hulkenberg. This has always been my argument about Nico Hulkenberg is Nico Hulkenberg, we know he's a great driver. But when it counts, you know, when the moment counts, Nico Hulkenberg doesn't really capitalize on the moment. K-Mag, with all of the background noise going on, comes in, delivers the lap when it matters. Yes, he was lucky, but he had had a very strong weekend on a track that was maybe not as advantageous for the Haas that we thought. So. I thought he had a good weekend, just in general. With regard to the Ferraris, it was actually surprising how hard the two Ferrari drivers were pushing. You know, Charles is under a lot of pressure to deliver with this car, with this team. Ferrari are on the back foot. It looked like it was going to be a good weekend for them as well. I do wonder if Charles had qualified higher up what the result would have been. The reality is that, you know, between Aston... Ferrari and Mercedes, Ferrari have a great qualifying car, a sensitive qualifying car, one that can be a lot more on the rails than maybe the Astons or or the Mercedes, but the Mercedes and the Astons have this general consistency that the Ferrari just lacks and you can see it even with the wind direction and th there was an argument saying, "Oh, is Charles Leclerc error prone because at, at Q3 as we know, he crashed into the wall." 
you know, Nate Saunders made a, a very good tweet about that. And my argument is that, you know, maybe, but even then I would argue no, just because there are many arguments about what you can perceive Charles Leclerc's current funk, and I don't think any of it has to do with pressure or skill or being error-prone. I think he's just driving a very challenging car. It's not fast enough. He's pushing to the limit. We've seen many drivers do that. Max, Lewis, Fernando. They've all been in those situations before. Even Max has had a website dedicated to how many times he's crashed before. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, unless every weekend Charles Leclerc starts crashing, I don't see the argument that Ferrari are under pressure or Charles is. It was just a very challenging session for them. He pushed very hard. It had consequences. He had done that twice during the weekend because I believe he had an incident in FP2 as well. So it is what it is. I mean, yeah, perfectly well said. I was just going to say that Ferrari has a very hard car. It seems like they're not so pushing as much, but they're just fighting at just as much as they're pushing with that car. It's sensitive. It's a a very sensitive car, yeah. It has a very small operating window. It's not very good at tire management either. either. I think the cooler conditions at Baku really helped them, but here in the heat of Miami, not so much. I thought Alpine had a very good qualifying session with Gasly being P5. I thought that was a huge step forward, obviously, from Baku, but uh, I feel like that's where they can be every weekend or at least uh, somewhere between p5 to p8 and maybe between those slots just somewhere they should be there every weekend because they definitely have the skill and and they've shown that they have the car at some at certain spots they just gotta push lauren rossi made some comments about alpine season which is that it's not been well managed it's frankly just been unacceptable and 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 he was very public about like i we invest a ton of money into this team and they never deliver which i think was the first time i've seen that management group ever addressed the situation with Alpine the way they have since I've been watching actually Formula One since 2004. They, you know, and even like with my experience knowing a lot of people at Renault Sport, I thought it was a very shocking statement because it's like, whoa, Alpine admit they're not doing a good enough job. <laughs> like, what? What is going on? But uh, but no, Lauren Rossi was, you know, there's a lot of pressure and Ocon did not have another good weekend. But Gasly as he has proven since uh, really race one, to be honest, has proven to be the faster of the two drivers, and yes. he has proven to out-deliver and outperform the car that it already has. I think he had a superb race. He was very unlucky towards the end of the Grand Prix, but at least in qualifying, you know, he bandaged himself well. He set a, a, a good time when it mattered, and that's all that it, that's all you can do on a Saturday like that. Right. I mean, he set himself up for success he did the best that he could we'll get into a little bit more of that during the race segment for right now i want to get into like the the post press conference for the qualifying because uh each driver had a lot of good things to say and i'm going to start with uh, carlos signs when he qualified p3 he was asked ferrari is not necessarily struggling but you can tell that they're fighting like we like we said and he he was asked who his competition is and he goes well, obviously these two beside me, which would be Perez and Fernando Alonso. And he goes, who's behind me? And they're like, K-Mag, K-Mag's behind you. And he like looked at the other two live in press conference and he goes, Kevin, what? That's, su- that's surprising. But yeah, obviously <laughs> uh, Mercedes and then uh, we're going to be directly right behind Red Bull, but we have Mercedes and Aston Martin to worry about, of course. 
I was going to say, the one thing I'll, I'll give 2023 some credit is that the qualifying sessions have been a genuine surprise. You know, like, there's been a lot of unexpected, like, pole positions and qualifying positions, etc. And and it's that's the only part of the weekend I've, I've kind of genuinely enjoyed. Um, seen some great, you know, drivers do some great laps um, throughout the grid uh, over the course of, uh, of, of these five races. And it's nice to also hear, you know, that there is some sort of sympathized camaraderie between the drivers when it comes to like, you know, oh, at least I got K-Mag behind me, you know? <laughs> Seems to be the consensus. Yeah, exactly. And I also love the humbleness, but also the very straightforward personality of Fernando Alonso. He's sitting up there. He doesn't give a crap that he's in this press conference. He's all cleaning his sunglasses as Carlos Sainz is speaking. In one. He's Sigma male, yeah, dude. I know. He's just, I, I love it. I really, I love it. And then he's so Sigma, this guy, <laughs> he gets asked what he thinks about um, all three of them being like a Latino front three or whatever. And he answers in he answers in Spanish <laughs> and the and the announcer guy, he goes, can you can you translate that in English? And Fernando just looks at him and he goes, no, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't follow that part. Uh, really? He said that. That's it, that's says, amazing. No. And then he goes, well. <laughs> like he, he knew he would have gotten in trouble for that. He goes, well, you don't yeah, want to know. <laughs> just saying that these guys are great or whatever. He's like, I didn't say anything bad, but I just, I love it. That's, that's Fernando. I mean, you know, for, for most of the grid is European or, or, or Asian. Uh, and one driver I think is, is Latin American. I think, you know, I think it's a, it is something that the love these drivers, especially Alonso are just not used to sort of like, Hey, what is it like to be blank? on the grid and it's like uh, you know like the europeans like they've kind of are a bit further ahead when it comes to sort of those Questions topical like discussions those, yeah. yeah you know so of course he's going to be like i'm just gonna mess with them and that's typical fernando um he's always been like that i mean he said at the end of the race like this is the fastest car he's ever driven is like but faster than the car you won two world titles with what are what drugs are you on <laughs> like fernando he's just trying to mess with people he really is i just i love his personality about it. He also said that everything that they've gotten this far this season is a gift because of like they're not they weren't expected to be here, and that's like the humbling side of it. But he's he knows... in Taylor Swift's wildest dreams. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I also loved the com the interview they had about that. They were like, "Are you dating Taylor Swift?" And he was like, "I could be, no, yes, but I'm I just, could be. I'm just yeah. prepared. <laughs> I'm just preparing for this race." And I was like, "All right, yeah." I, I... Is this? Fernando, man, never, never change. And then last thing we'll say about this topic, uh, for Perez, they asked him about uh, what, what he did different to make the car faster and whatever. And obviously he's not going to speak on that, but what he could speak on was that he said his biggest takeaway was uh, adjusting to the asphalt and the temperatures, just getting the car acclimated to the way the surfaces were in Miami. And he said that was the biggest thing to hone in on. And it makes the car a little bit faster is what he's felt as he was driving. And then obviously he's P1, got the fastest lap. Verstappen didn't get, didn't post the time. So that's what started him in P9 with Leclerc's red flag. So now we're going to move on to the race highlights. Before that, we're going to take a quick break here. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Apex F1 podcast. So now we're going to go into the race results and the race highlights of the Miami GP. Miami GP was a Verstappen show. Started from P9th, finishes first. Like there's a lot of moving parts and things that were happening. Obviously, people were letting Max go by them, which was the biggest thing that I thought was like, what the heck? Like, I understand that it's not your race, but like give him some kind of battle to not 
just zoom by you. And then he has this triple DRS in some zones, and it's just kind of ridiculous how fast Red Bull actually is. But there was a lot of strategy on their part, and I thought it was a very good strategy. But Perez didn't seem like he was pushing enough. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Willem? Um, I thought it was a terrible race. I mean, it was it was another bad race. I don't think we've had if there was a ranking out of ten race this season. I don't think we've gotten even past four so far this season. I think Australia was the closest we got to like four. Um, no, terrible race. It was boring. There was no strategy. It was you know one stop. Whoever was on the right tire at the right time, you know. And even then, it was like the tires had really no function. It was, I think Max was very lucky that the hearts worked the way they did. Yeah, 45 laps. Holy crap. 45. Yeah. Um, the hards are, were the best tire at the early stages of the race. And then the medium tire was the better of the two tires at the very end of the race. So I think Max was very, uh, was very lucky. And I, I do wonder if Red Bull already had this information prior. I doubt it. I think they were just, uh, it was very favorable towards Max. Would I say it was the Max for stop and show? It was more the how quickly Max could get up to second show. And it was pretty simple because no one really gave him a fight other than his teammate towards the end. And even then, that was that lasted about a lap. So we only had one lap of racing, really, from, from that end. Um, bad weekend, n- not very enjoyable. You know, Miami did produce a lot more racing than we expected, but I think that only came into the fact that Max was all the way in ninth. Don't think it really had anything to do with how ill-effective the rules have been. Uh, what th- these new regulation changes have been, once again, will be another topic for the next two two weeks for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, talking about one lap of racing, K-Mag couldn't even hold the P4 spot for a couple corners. And he no, got P6 by uh, by lap, uh, turn four. Yeah, it was just I wasn't I knew he was going to fall off, but I didn't expect it to be that fast. So it goes back to him being lucky and qualifying with that red flag. So who knows what that would have turned out, but it just writes itself in the end. He did a very good job, though. I mean, he did. He, he really race. did have a great race. He was the only highlight. Yeah. <laughs> I feel him like racing was, Leclerc. <laughs> he did very well. He Like Leclerc was fighting the car again. And K-Mag just had the right spots in the corners and was able to to overtake him again once he got past. And it was a good little battle, like I said. Um, Another thing was Mercedes as a team, uh, not necessarily fighting each other, but just I feel like they were done with everything the way their season has been and just culminated up into their few turns that they fought each other. And they were just because Hamilton was like, well, if Russell's fast enough, then he'll get by me. And the team's like, no, you need to let him by. Yeah. I mean, Mercedes have had a very bad 22 season. 23 has gone a lot better for them. At least they're, they've got very good race pace. I mean, arguably competitive, close to, well, more competitive than the Ferraris and certainly at times better than the Astons. But the Astons seem to qualify a lot better and just genuinely have better pace by like maybe half a tenth or so. But yeah, I mean, Toto Wolf, beginning of the week, he said, look, like we're not going to be winning this championship. So he's already like basically said this championship is done. We've got the pipeline of development parts. We'll continue to improve it, but you know, we have not produced a car that Lewis is going to win his eighth title with our ninth constructors with. You really could feel that throughout the weekend, you know, and 
it, they did have a much better Sunday than they did on Saturday. Certainly better than on on you know on the, on after that qualifying two shutdown that Lewis kind of had. Um, overall, yeah, good recovery for the team. Not good enough for the podium, but it got close. Let's say if people are giving up for the championship as a whole, what is that point in the season where everybody could be like, yeah, Max or Perez or whatever happens, but Red Bull is the definitive winner and Max is the champion. Like, what's the earliest part of the season that that could happen? The likelihood of it happening before Monaco is mm, close to non-existent, but I think you can see it happening maybe just before the summer break, so just before the Hungarian Grand Prix. But I I would say, um, I think until it's realistically impossible for for these teams to, to win consistently races, the championship is, is still on, but I think when they mean by give up, it's like they're pretty certain that they won't win, but they'll still keep on pushing because they owe it to their fans and their sponsors. And that's totally fine for, for, for all these teams. But Mercedes, if, if, we're, if we're being honest with them, I think they need to take a page from what they did back in 2013, which is sacrifice a season to have a better 2024 season. And I think if they can do that, they're they're going to be right up there. They'll have a lot more resources. Hell, if it means sacrificing their constructor's position, they'll get even more R&D wind tunnel time. Whatever it takes to beat um Red Bull, they need to they need to do that. If they realistically can't find that this season, you may as well focus on 24. And I think that's kind of where Toto Wolff has sort of been hinting. He's been hinting that it's time for this team to sort of sort of say, look, let's see what happens in Imola. We have not, they have not updated, don't forget, they're one of the very few teams that have actually not updated their car this season. Imola, in two weeks' time, is where they introduce their first of many bigger packages. So let's, let's wait and see. I can't wait for them to get some upgrades. Like, I, I, I'm shooting for Mercedes. I want them to be at least decent where they should be. And it's just, it's not disappointing, I would say, but it's not to where they thought they would be. And I guess to a sense, that's kind of disappointing, but they're still very good racers. Russell's getting into his own, doing very well towards the end of the races and even qualifying up there with Hamilton. Honestly, I think Russell's more of a better qualifier than Hamilton is at, at, at this stage of the season. If you remember back to our last episode about Baku, our predictions for Baku, we said that we said Russell was going to be P4 or P5, somewhere around in there. And that's where you ended up. So I thought we did pretty good there. Yeah, you, you did a great job there. Yeah, he's he's in his own little element. I think Russell succeeds more in, in the qualifying section. But Lewis is, is a smart driver. He knows that he's quicker in the races. But yeah, he had a bad weekend. I think he salvaged what he could during the race. And I think he had one of those typical Lewis races where he's like, oh, I think I'm going to fail. And then all of a sudden he's like, dude, you just you're dive bombing Carlos Sainz, who was P3 at one point. So, you know, I think uh, I think it was a, a very solid end to what was a very difficult Grand Prix for Mercedes. Uh, speaking of difficult, Gasly just made it hard for himself during the race. I think if he was a little bit more aggressive or pushed the car a little bit more, he could have done a little better, but as soon as he started letting up to let Max by, he let Mercedes into the picture to pass him as well, and he just never recovered from that, and it was just hard to watch that. Yeah, I I, I think I would agree that he should have fought Max a lot more, and she certainly should have been more aware of making sure Lewis was kept in check, because that could have, you know, at that stage, 
the Alpine was as quick as the Mercedes. When you get too cute about moving out of the way and sacrificing your traction out of the final corner, which that that's the thing about that hairpin, it's it's a very uh, weird combination of corners where it's important to to come out of it with good traction unfortunately you know it, it left him hanging and so i still think he had a good race and you know that's a lot of good points for alpine they i think they've cemented themselves as the fifth best car personally i would agree um yeah. i think they're they're more consistent than the mclarens they're certainly faster than the alpha turis and the alpha romeos I, I don't, you know, Williams as well, they're quicker than, so like, you know, they're, and, and the Haas, I think, is maybe the only car that kind of can be up there if they wanted to, but they've just not had that consistent car performance. I think this weekend was a good weekend, but I think still, yeah, there's still some loose threads with that 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 team in general. So, yeah, Alpine, good weekend, not great weekend. Let's see what happens. Yeah. I mean, consistency is key with, with everyone is like, if you can put in consistent times and get better and better and better throughout the race, like you're going to be right up there. But yeah, it's speaking of consistency, like Perez, he's fast, but he's not consistent, just continuously putting up those speeds. Like he can get a fast lap, but then he will, he'll slow down and then he'll get another fast lap and then he'll slow down. And that right there is the biggest difference I think between him and Max is that his consistency of driving the car as hard as Max does because Prez has it in him. Like it was, it was shown there, but it's just whatever Max is doing with the car is incredible. Prez put up a good um, fight, but ultimately in the end, it, he overtook him and Max won the race. Prez took second. And then Fernando Alonso pulls up P3 again, another podium for Aston Martin. I think, um, I still think Checo is having a good season. I think he did have generally a, a, a decent race up until I think laps 30 through to, um, you know, towards the end, he couldn't switch on those hard tires right. um, as effectively as, um, as Max could, you know, Max's middle stint was, was, was very, very good. And, you know, again, this is both drivers seem to be inconsistent in two scenarios. You know, Max is very inconsistent on the Saturday, but he's much more consistent on the Sunday. Whilst Checo is more consistent on the Saturday, putting himself there, capitalizing on that position, but struggles to be consistent on the Sunday. I mean, again, another P2, they're they're less than 25 points apart. It's not game over. Today, it was just Max's, like, W. But I do think if Checo wants to really fight for this title he's gonna have to get a bit nasty enough of the compliments enough of this max certainly is not going to give you compliments he's going to give you compliments when you move out of the way max is a dick like you know you've got to be kind of a dick to him too this is the thing that nico rosberg was talking about when he talked about his 2016 season it wasn't that he was he didn't want to be nasty towards lewis but he had to play lewis in the same game which is being hyper aggressive getting your elbows out. You have the best car you've ever had in your Formula One career. You're driving very well, but you need to drive exceptionally well. And I think those middle stints, you can't get cute on, um, on, 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 on like, you know, hoping that Max is going to be behind you and he's not going to chase up. That's Max Verstappen. He's going to push you into a wall if he wants to. You've got to be so much more aggressive than you are. And I think that's kind of where... Checo has to find that fine line. It also doesn't help that allegedly, and we, I'm still kind of researching this, so I'll, I'll spend some time after after this episode looking into this. Allegedly, the, the Red Bull team did not 
really talk to Checo that much during that middle stint. So they weren't telling him if he was doing a good enough job to shrink up the cap. And if that is the case, it really doesn't help Red Bull's case that, you know, they're very pro Max and all that. So again, you know, it doesn't matter. Both sides to blame in this situation. Checo should not be holding his foot off the gas for any moment. No, absolutely not. I mean, I agree totally with you about everything you've said. I know that they did talk to Perez, a radio, about the pit stop strategy that they were doing, like down to a science. But I just can't fathom that they wouldn't talk to him at all during the race. And I know that the commentary also said that a president looked like he was pushing as much as he should be at certain spots. But it also could be trying to save tires and everything. Like, who knows what's going through Perez's head? Like, he could be doing his own race and everything and doing it that way. Maybe they asked him not to not to radio him or whatnot. Like, we don't know any of that. But it's I think that's very interesting. And if you do find anything out about that, please let us know so we can bring it onto the show. 100%. And what I will say, and it's very important, I think, in the case of, you know, how this sport is 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 turning out at the moment, for this season to be anywhere salvageable for Checo's career, as well as this F1 season, he has to be more aggressive. And I think he was great in Baku because he was that right level of aggressive where he could be the wily old fox that we know that he's he's always been, even since, you know, year one of his F1 career. But he's got to continue putting that pressure. I, we both know Max at this stage. We know Christian Horner. Christian is never going to be someone who's going to allow the second driver to to who who is like the imposter sort of who's just there for the sake of legality i guess <laughs> for the rules um and maybe the money he's not going to allow a guy like him to win so he's got to rally the troops he's got to do something more than this and i think he can it's just a matter of having better learning from weekends like this and you know let's see what happens in imola it's also just only race five and maybe we're overanalyzing it, which makes it for a good episode, but uh, not a great way to execute your weekend. Who knows what the reasons were for how slow he was, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's all I got to say. We totally could be overanalyzing, but I mean, what else are we going to analyze when there's no like <laughs> supreme action that's happening and there's a definitive area that Red Bull's in and then there's the rest of the, the grid? It's like... It is, and it's a problem. It's and it was highlighted again this weekend that it's not good for the sport. Even when the announcer stuff, I know you caught that. You know there was there was visible booing again yeah. for uh, for for Max. He is not a popular driver, and he doesn't know that because frankly he doesn't care. He's the type of person who could steal candy from a baby and be happy with it. You know that's just the type of character he is. It, it's just not good for the sport, and it, it doesn't help that. I mean, this whole weekend, we go back to the fan thing, the celebrity thing. I find it hilarious that the big highlight coming out of this weekend was not the racing, but was Jackie Stewart breaking through the bodyguards of Roger Federer for Sky Sports F1. That should tell you everything that's wrong with Formula One at the moment. And frankly, like, you know, the the fact that there's even like tweets talking about Jake Paul and comparing boxing and Formula One and how technical the two are and i'm like you can't compare the two man and it's just like the, the the strange the strangeness of this event the outcome of the event the bad racing the drivers moving out of the way the tires not really providing any strategy you know it should be a grand prix where there's you know in the heat of miami with the terrible asphalt 
this should have been a Grand Prix where we had two stops and it was really more about the drivers and the teams really pushing that strategy. And instead, it is just a one-stop BS race, just like Baku, a bit like Australia as well, a bit like Jeddah, same crap. In fact, Jeddah and, and, and Miami... The results were almost identical across the board. So even Sonoda finishing 11th and losing to a Haas was what happened also in Jeddah too. It's, it, the races have become almost copy and paste. Let's just bring that type of action to some fancy location. Oh, and let's spend $450 on a cocktail and on a fake yacht in a, in a pool that doesn't exist. I mean, it's, it's absurd where Formula One's at at the moment. <laughs> I mean, yes, it is very, we're in an era of F1 that's just uncharted to say the least. And it is a little bit of copy and paste. So, I mean, there's definitely got to be something that's got to happen. The FIA has got to get the rules in check. DRS thing is going to be all talked about all season long until they change that. Something's got to happen that's going to make either more competitive racing or, or not have so much advantage to take on, if you know what I mean. It's just... It's definitely an era of in a sport that I've never seen before, and we'll see how long this lasts. Hopefully it doesn't last years, but who knows? We could be in a run for Red Bull, and I know that doesn't make you happy, but makes Red Bull fans happy, and it's just... I'm, go ahead. If that is what the people want, great, but the whole point of these rules are that Red Bulls or Mercedes or Ferrari are not winning one a season after another and and that it's a bit more like american football right you know right. you and i are know this as well this is the thing that they try to basically implement for for context for our non-american fans in football what happens is when you win the super bowl you get less picks in the draft which means you get less youth in your team which means you probably are unlikely to get a lot of big talent and most likely you're going to have to cut a lot of people in order to make way for new talent because football players have a very short life, work life or sports life um, expectancy. And uh, it makes for great, very fair sportsmanship uh, action. And you look at the Rams as an example, you know, the Rams win it all one Super Bowl, then they're losing to the Cardinals in the next year. The next year. You know, there's, there's a reason for that. And it's because it sells sport first. Formula One tries to do that. 22, okay, didn't get to a good start, but it got off to a great start, but then it went back to, okay, flashback 2011. I don't like where this is going. Now we're at the stage where I'm like, oh, I miss 2011 so much. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, I miss it. I I miss it. I miss the finger wagging of, uh, of, of, of Sebastian Vettel going, yes, baby, and crap like that. And it was so irritating and cringe. Um, yeah, we, we've, we've, we're going into uncharted territory right now, and it's a territory that does not help F1. And the fact that the show has become more important to F1 should scare a lot of the pure F1 fans, which ultimately they're trying to drive away. Again, Jackie Stewart getting pushed out of the way. As funny as that is, and as sad as that is, that's where F1 is at. It doesn't care anymore about the racing. But if Red Bull are happy with it, sure. But the other nine teams, that's not what they signed up for. And I, I actually think if you're Audi, who's potentially coming into the sport, or Michael Andretti, you see these rules, you see the budget, you see all of this. Why the the hell would you want to be competing in Formula One at the moment? Because you know you have no ch- no chance. Red Bull are going to find some hacky way to manipulate the rules to their favor. So you're always going to lose 
no matter what to them. And if you start increasing the budget cap, Mercedes and Ferrari will exploit that. You know, the only way Formula One's going to change is if they homogenize big aspects of the car, maybe the side pods, maybe the front wings, maybe the rear wings, and it becomes all, all internal and suspension or something like that. It cannot go on like this. That That's the only solution, I think, to maybe improving the racing, the, the, the competitiveness of Formula One, because right now it's game over for the sport. The sport is going to die in the next few years if it doesn't do something about it, regardless of how much money they're making. That's so ironic how we've come full circle, because we've talked about this at the beginning of the show. But I think Audi would look at it as, oh, hey, we can be a part of the show. Imagine how much money we can make off being a part of the show because the show brings in so much money and revenue. It's like the FIA is all thinking big like that, but then not worrying about the racing. So like I said last episode is that they need to bring somebody in that can delegate between between the gray line. And once that happens, I feel like some kind of rules can be set in that will be able to delegate uh, competitiveness back into racing and also still have the big show. But right now. It just doesn't seem that they can defer that and have two separate, two separate events. Kind of ridiculous and almost, almost embarrassing to watch at times. Because like I said, the LL Cool J thing, the driver announcement thing was kind of cringy to me. But I, like, I understood what, what, what the idea was. Do, oh, what, what about driver of the day and loser of the day? Like, we haven't done that. It's kind of a big deal. You know, I think... We already mm. know who the driver of the day was. You won't admit it, <laughs> but I'm going to say that it was Max. Okay, yeah, go for it. Now, I'm never going to admit, by the way, Max is ever driver of the day. But go on. T- give, me your, give me your reason. I'm curious. Because Gasly moving out of the way it, it really cemented that f- statement. That's what I was going to say. Who, who are the, what other drivers, somebody's that just everybody's going to move out of the way for him? Okay, it's a bit the fear-mongering that he, he gives a little bit. You know, like the Senna Dayglow Hell. All right. And he started yeah. in P9 <laughs> on a sophomore year track where nobody else yeah. knows really what's what to expect. And the rain of that of the night before washed out all the rubber on the right. track and made it like brand new, like different track. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. If Perez Perez should have held him off. Perez was on 25 lap tires and Max came out with brand new ones. I mean, what else is he going to do? Quit and make the racing more interesting. <laughs> no i i get it i do get it like you know i mean you know there you can't always have an interesting grand prix all the time but uh no i I, to be honest those races where you where a driver moves out of the way to to win that should not warrant it to me actually there there is one driver that i think had genuinely the best weekend which was um kevin magnuson I think he was phenomenal for his u.s team we also get free chipotle in the u.s Thanks to him. So God bless him. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, buddy. Um, I also think, and this is a driver that has kind of been under the radar, but I thought Stroll had a very good recovery drive. You know, difficult track to overtake on. He had to fight for it. You know, he was asking all the right questions. Okay, he didn't score any points, but, you know, I like Stroll. I, I, I've, I've, I have this sort of weird soft spot for this kid because I think he has gone through a lot over the last few months and over the last few years especially. He has a good car. I think he's reco- he's been a very good recovery driver in the last few races, and uh, I think he can hold himself high for that too. And of course, I'm going to say this again. I think Fernando drove an incredible Grand Prix, and he's in a he's back to like the Fernando we all know and love. Stroll did actually did an amazing job 
Like the the gap between Fernando and Stroll this weekend was incredible, and I don't think we touched on that enough. Fernando, the the mental capacity that he has when he drives is insane because he you could see that he's watching literally watching the same broadcast we are while racing an F1 car while radioing in to see where Stroll is and how he can help him and what his setup he has to do or whatever like whatever he can do. He's he's an incredible driver. He is honestly. In my opinion, like the he cements himself as an old time great. You know, maybe he doesn't he didn't have all the results he he wanted in his career, and frankly, that's most of it to do with his own uh, wrongdoing. But Fernando Alonso is a brilliant racing driver who is very pure, very clean, rarely makes mistakes, and has a great character around him. Love him or hate him, he is probably the only real pure racer on the grid. And again, he he drove an incredible Grand Prix. And I think, you know, he's also shown and proven that he's been a very good teammate as well to uh, to a lot of people. For him to, 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 to do that on the TV screen in front of a large audience, which he's very aware of as well, and playing games, I think is, is spectacular. Great stuff about Fernando Alonso. Um, since, okay, so just to clarify, your driver of the day was not Stroll, it was... It was Kevin Magnuson. Awesome. So what about your flop, your driver flop of the day? Ooh. Well, DeFries had another bad weekend, uh, caused the, um, caused the start crash. Man, I've, you know, last week I kind of defended him, but that was a bad, bad Grand Prix. Uh, he started off well, 15th on the grid. He's really not helping himself when he has those type of Grand Prix weekends. So I would say it's either him or Logan Sargent, which I'd... Uh, Oh, hey, Ryan's not here, so he can't defend him. So I'll say what I need to say. But home crowd, your home city, uh, I actually expected a lot better. Finished last. That's not good. Started Um, last, finished last. Wonderful. 10 out of 10. Perfect record uh, at Miami. (laughs) Is Is it a driver flop if it's consistent, though? Well, that's why I'm debating it. Like, okay, you know, hey, listen, I'm supporting my fellow American driver. God bless Logan Sargent. Nice yes. guy. I actually saw a lot of great interviews with him. The GQ, the GQ interview with him was very nice. He's a very... He um, have a lot of good interviews. Yeah, he's he, honestly, he's a nice guy, and I do see the potential, to be honest with him. But as for... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Nick DeFries. I think Nick DeFries had a bad weekend. Charles had a bad weekend. Um, that was a bit. It's either Nick or or Charles, because Charles had a lot of potential this weekend, and he just destroyed it on the Saturday and the Friday as well. It just didn't race particularly well. Lost out to Kevin Magnuson a few times during the race. Yeah, was um was kind of brutal in the end for uh for for Charles. So Charles and Nick DeFries. That's the those are the two I'm 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 going with. Well, you actually took my flop, which was Logan Sargent. Oh. Um, well, you could take it now. You could take it. I, I mean, right. You're right. I can take it, you know, so, but we talked a little bit about that and you're absolutely right. Like you start 20th, you finish the last, you, he is a great guy, but at your home race, you got to put out something a little better. He didn't even qualify very good. And last race, he did a lot better qualifying. Very least. well. Yeah, he did very, very well. well. Yeah. He's had a very so, good season, to be honest. So he, he has. And, but Williams is, it, it's a better car than what he's able to be what he's been doing with it but i'm not gonna pick logan Sargent because he's consistently not very good 
but a good start for a rookie for the season, like you said. I'm going to step out on a limb here, and people are probably going to hate me for this. My flop is going to be Esteban Ocon. And you Alpine, you and Ryan do not like the Alpines. I've noticed has been a very consistent factor. But, I mean, go on. I, I'm curious. I... I put, put I picked them because I love the Alpine team and they should be doing a lot better than what they're doing. That's true. Like Esteban Ocon, pre-race, all of it in interviews, he's like, we haven't been able to get the upgrades or see the full potential of the upgrades. We're going to have a great weekend. This should be the weekend where we see the best results of these upgrades and upgrades this and upgrades that. And then it was just mediocre, same result as it always has been, which P8 is fine. Like they're doing great. They're having a great season. I love Alpine. I picked in, in the very first episode our predictions. Why predicted Gasly to get more than like I don't know some amount of points. I can't remember, but it was Gasly is my boy. I, I he's a great talent, and Acon is right up there too. Like they're very great talented drivers, but they haven't shown the pace that they should be at with what they have, and that's why I choose Acon, especially because he finished lower than Gasly. But it, it, they just should be better than what they're producing. That's no, I, 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 I completely agree. I mean, like Ocon has been very mid this season. And like last season, I think Ocon only really got to where he was at because he was just super lucky, you know, just supremely lucky. But that doesn't mean that, you know, obviously uh, that he, you know, not worthy of being in that seat. But I do think that if Alpine want to take this, championship seriously they're gonna have to start pushing Ocon a lot harder than they actually are right now because Gasly in the first five races he's been there has made more impact than than Ocon has made in like three or four seasons he's been with this team and and that's saying something you know like this weekend standout drive Australia standout drive Bahrain another standout drive you know he he's a very competent Grand Prix driver Gasly and has has always found a way to to push himself further. He did the exact same thing in AlphaTauri. He's doing this again with this this team. And yes, Alpine are also to play. Altmar Safnar, the whole gang, all of them have to be accountable. And that's why Laurent Resso Rossi uh, has I, I agreed with his comment on the top of the show. Ocon has just not been good enough. Um, so I I do I do think he needs to you know. Pressure has to be put on him because there's so many talented drivers out there on the grid could easily get from the lower ranks, you know, like Albon, for instance. Imagine Albon and Gasly in the same team. Now, that would be an amazing team already. That has got that extra flair because, you know, Albon's going to deliver because he, he's always found ways to deliver. But under, you know, with Ocon, I've not yet seen that. Ocon had an incredible junior career, which I will remind people of. He was, you know, really more talented than Leclerc and the rest of the gang that uh, that I've mentioned but he has yet to really fill that promise since he's been in F1 this is his he joined in 2017 so he's he's been in Formula 1 now for about 7 seasons right 7 8 seasons and I'm I'm just not yet seen his peak like I think he's reached his peak at this stage and so I I really hope Ocon the nicest guy on the grid can do a bit more than what he's delivering yeah, I would agree. Such a nice guy, really great, very talented. We're not taking that from him, but he needs or either needs to get pressure put on him or realize that he needs to do better because with what they have, they should be doing much better than what they are. 
And the Australia race was just awful because they ran into each other and wrecked each other out. Very unfortunate, but like I said, they should be doing much better than what they with what they have. So with that being said, we're going to close out this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Willem, thank you for joining me as a co-host. My pleasure. Uh, if you guys haven't already, go ahead and join our Discord and also our Patreon. You get unedited content on there. You get recording set-ins. You get blooper reels, all sorts of different stuff. Check it out on the Patreon and then follow us on the Discord as well. Join that. Get some conversations in there. The Discord and Patreon link will be in the description in the bio. Until next time, guys, stay tuned. Peace.